welcome to this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Chris Brown. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net. Are you having a good time? Uh, there's the loungers left from the ladies um, and looks like father of the, the, the chosen father. Uh, Al looks like he scored the lounge up the back there. There was some talk about the lounge being brought down, you know, and, and we auction off a spot on the lounge. And speaking of auctions, can I just say I'm riding my old British motorcycle today in honour of my father um, who had bikes like that and loved them. And, uh, and isn't riding anymore, sadly, um, but I, I do have a 1957 AJS and it is not available uh, for a raffle. Thank you, Martin and Frosty, for putting a little sign on it out there. If it's still there after the service, I would like to ride it home. Um, so, um, yeah, thanks, thanks for that. Nothing like a good <coughs> dad's joke, uh, dad joke on Father's Day. Um, I don't have one off the top of my head, but uh, they, might, they may appear in the message uh, once we get into it. I know he's got one. He hasn't got the floor, has he? So <laughs> I have only uh, some of my children here to embarrass uh, on Father's Day, but I'll do my best. Um, and uh, actually, I'm very um, blessed, as I said. I ride the bike today in honour of my dad, and I'm also honoured to be a father myself and honoured to have such great kids. Um, and I just want to uh, point out the fact that Bethany, who was song leading here this morning, was up most of the night violently ill with food poisoning. Uh, not her mother's cooking. Uh, <laughs> but when she woke up, uh, you know, there's the choice. She's rostered on to song lead to lead people into worship and she could easily stay in bed. Uh, but that's not how you do it, certainly in our household. Uh, you believe God for your healing and you get healed as you serve, as you honour God. And here she is leading away and uh, not even a sick bag or bucket in sight. Um, although maybe deacons, just in case. But uh, I just think that that's very commendable and I'm very proud of her. Uh, so you can give her a clap. Uh, because that's faith right there. And that's what is our, uh, our subject today is faith. And I want you to look in your Bible at uh, Hebrews 11. And this is the great faith chapter you may know of. And if we read from verse 1, it says, uh, Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. Or your more traditional rendering might say, Faith is the substance of things not yet seen. And, um, and that is uh, just worth reflecting on, isn't it? Uh, we're all called to have it. Uh, God will provide it for us. And so we can know, we can be confident of things that we haven't yet got physical evidence for. Um, it gives us assurance about things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. So then there's this list of people from the Old Testament. By faith, we understand the entire universe was formed at God's command, that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. Well, evolutionists use faith in the same way. We just realise that there's a hand of uh, creation uh, from God, not just uh, what you need more faith for to say that there was a, an explosion just so happened by itself. 
Um, verse 4, it was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man and God showed his approval of his gifts. Although Abel is long dead, he still speaks to us by his example of faith. Isn't that awesome? Your life will still speak beyond your temporal earthly existence if you live a life of faith. There'll be a message that goes on through the generations and not just for people written about in the Bible, but through history, through human history and the influence that we carry. It was by faith that Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. He disappeared because God took him. For before he was taken up, he was known as a person who pleased God. And it's impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. It was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God who warned him about the things that had never happened before. By his faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world and he received the righteousness that comes by faith. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed God, obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. And then there's more as you read on about Abraham, Sarah, Abraham being prepared to sacrifice his son Isaac. And then you go down to verse uh, 20 and it continues with this list of characters. It was by faith that Isaac promised blessings for the future to his sons, Jacob and Esau. It was by faith that Jacob, when he was old and dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and bowed in worship as he leaned on his staff. It was by faith that Joseph, when he was about to die, said confidently that the people of Israel would leave Egypt. He even commanded them to take his bones with them when they left. So Ruth mentioned that last week, long-term perspective. So notice, you know, this list of Old Testament heroes includes those that we've been looking at uh, when we covered our series on Genesis, we finished last week. And having read about their lives, when you read the book of Genesis, two things stand out to me when I read this. And the first one is how imperfect some of these people were. And yet here they are included in this list. Noah, where, well, he built the ark, but we know that he also got drunk. Abraham is referred to in another part of the Bible as a friend of God. And yet he lied to save his own skin and jeopardised his wife's safety in doing so. Isaac, his son, did exactly the same thing. And then along came Jacob and, uh, you know, he tricked his father. He stole his brother's birthright, his inheritance, and he deceived his father-in-law in business just to better his own finances. Joseph in the list, well... There's not too much dirt we've got on Joseph, except he was pretty dumb and naive to tell his brothers his dreams when he was young. But when you read further on in the list, beyond what we just read there, in the same chapter of Hebrews 11, you find other people who were far from perfect. Rahab was a prostitute. Moses was a murderer. David was an adulterer. And yet here they all are in this list of God's people who made their mark on their generation, who who were used by God to do something amazing and, and who left a really good legacy behind them. And that, all of that is because of the sec, second thing that stands out when you read it, and I guess you've figured out what that is because it's a word that keeps popping up, and that is that they are all people of faith. They all lived by faith. Everything they did was by faith. Their only claim to fame is really that they believed God. 
They had faith in God. And God honoured that faith because it says through their faith, they earned a good reputation or they obtained a good report before God. So in spite of all their faults and all their failings, their faith kept them in right standing with God and kept them in touch with the will of God that he had for their lives. And, uh, and it's because faith really takes us beyond our current circumstances. Faith will reach beyond our sin, our failings, our mistakes, and find salvation in God. God offers us, but uh, it's our faith that takes a hold of it. And that's how, of course, we enter God's kingdom, how we receive uh, salvation, how we find forgiveness, and how Jesus comes into our life, frees us from the power of sin and death. That is awesome. In fact, every Sunday, we offer people an opportunity to pray a prayer of commitment, maybe for the first time or as a re-establishing of your relationship with God, always at the end of the service. You're welcome to come down, pray for you for that to happen. And that is the beginning of the best life you could possibly live. But that's just the beginning because we then go on what the Bible calls the walk of faith. And so uh, we want to live by faith. We want to have a lifestyle of faith. And that's, of course, both... uh, exciting but also challenging it's challenging because it's not always easy to live that way you know the bible says let's walk by faith not by sight and sometimes it's a lot easier to live by sight in other words just to rely on your own senses your own understanding and not rely on god and um and and yet you know we when we do that we we can quickly feel uh faithless and 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 prayerless and, and powerless because we're really caught up with busyness, just the stuff of life getting the better of us and we're not you know, leaning into God, not walking by faith. And, and let me say this, if you're getting up every morning without praying, without reading God's word, without activating your spirit and consciously connecting with God, then, then you are going... Uh, out to face the day with a very low level of faith. With, uh, you know, you're going to head out the door and you're going to rely solely on your abilities, your limited strength, your limited wisdom, and, uh, and you'll be, end up, you'll be susceptible to powers and issues and forces that will get the better of you. You can, you can end up being fearful or worried or stressed or anxious or full of other negative emotions because you're missing out on God's help that he offers us by faith to strengthen us, to help us. Uh, But of course, if you walk by faith, then you're tapping in to God's touch on your life, God's calling, God's word, God's promises, God's will. And uh, and not only that, you'll be a blessing to God because it says there, uh, you'll please him. You know, when we doubt God, we disappoint him. But when we trust him, we Please him. And I think it's verse 6. It says, it's impossible to please God without faith. So our faith honours God. God honours faith. And that's exciting. And that gets things happening in, in the spirit, which then flows out into every part of our life. And so um, I want to look at two aspects of faith today uh, and how they apply to us and how we need, need them both operating. And, and one is... Faith that helps us just get by and the other is faith that then stirs us to grow 
One is uh, faith that deals with difficulties, but the other is faith that dreams and determines our destiny. Faith that copes with the issues of today and faith that uh, creates a better tomorrow. You could say faith to survive and faith to thrive if you want to be corny. Uh, Faith to just stand and faith to move forward. And so both of these aspects of faith are important for us. Let's think about the first one, faith that we need just to get through the tough times. Um, And think again about Joseph. You know, Ruth preached a great message. You can always get a podcast if you miss a Sunday service. Um, She talked about Joseph and how he uh, was a dreamer and how we need to dream as well like he did. Of course, he had a great dream, but in order for his dream to come to pass, he had to survive. He had to trust God when, you know, the chips were down. They were down for quite a while, you know, for 13 years. He, uh, he had to keep his faith in God strong going through some terribly trying times. He was sold into slavery. He was, you know, sent to prison. He was abandoned there when he thought he might get a chance to get out. Uh, and so part of his faith in God was just hanging in there. Part of his dreaming was just surviving long enough for the dream to come to pass. One day maybe, you know, so to keep the dream alive, we, we need to be able to sustain faith to cope with some challenges. And he, he was faithful because he kept his hand to the plough, if you like. He kept serving with the gift that God had given him. You know, he had a gift to interpret dreams. And you read all about this in the latter chapters of Genesis. In fact, he takes up more chapters in the book of Genesis than any other character in those 50 chapters. Um, and, uh, and so he, you know, had his gift. He interpreted dreams for other people. He worked hard, even though he was a slave living below what God had called him to. He thought, oh, well, here I am, you know, suck it up and serve and do, do what I can. And so um, his faith gave him a good perspective on his difficulties. They didn't get the better of him. He was still hanging in there so he would get the better of the tough times in the end. And as he himself said later, looking back, he said, what was meant for evil, God turned for good. Now, isn't that a great statement, a great perspective? Uh, he could see God's hand through it all. And sometimes, and of course, he had faith that somehow this is going to work out, even in the midst of it. He's thinking, how is this God's will? How is this fulfilling my dreams, the call that God's got on my life? But, you know, that's the perspective that faith in God will give us when we also face difficulties. You know, because we know Romans chapter 8, verse 28, a very famous verse. God will work all things together for good for those who love him, for those who are called according to his purpose. And sometimes you can be thinking, this is not my idea of working out for good, God. How is this going to be good? And yet later on, you can look back and go, oh, yeah, I see. The devil meant that for evil. God turned it for good. What could have been a terrible problem through my faith in God turned out to be just fine, actually better than if I hadn't been through it. And so God does allow us to have trials and troubles and tribulations. Uh, has anyone noticed that? You know, that, 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 is, that is part of life. And we could say, oh, that's sadly part of life. But depending on our perspective, often it's strengthening part of life. It's not just sad because it's not to crush you when you have problems, but to help you get stronger. As um, you've probably heard it 
said before, you know, God sends opportunities disguised as problems, <laughs> just, you know, designed to strengthen your faith. And, um, and so we press into God and we rely on him to, to help us uh, or, or not, or not. You can say, like some people, no, no, I don't need God's help. That's, you know, Christianity's a crutch. I'm not that weak. I'm, I'm a tough guy. I, I can cope with problems without God. And sure, many people have done that, but they often, in fact, I would say they never come through difficult times that well. Things might carry on in life, but I've observed that there's always a hurt or a wound or something that they carry around with them afterwards if they've faced something without God. There's a bitterness that God could have helped them with that is just lying there or a, a twist in their character that God could have ironed out and helped them. And they might be okay on the outside, might power on and ah, something's not right on the inside. And that applies to Christians as much as anyone. You know, you, you, can, uh, you can have your basic faith for salvation, but you're still not walking in faith. You're instead, you know, worrying instead of praying. You're not, you know, letting go of pain or hurts rather than, what do they say? Let go and let God and, and just give it to him. And I, I can guarantee this. When you find a Christian who is uh, offended with a brother or sister or bitter about a past hurt or stressed at breaking point about an issue, they're not praying. They're not walking by faith. They're not pressing into God. And maybe you've experienced that yourself, you know, because we find that when we do trust God, he works stuff out. He'll keep your spirit sweet and strong, even when you're going through the trial, walking through the valley of the shadow of death. You're okay. You're not fearing evil. You'll, you'll stay fresh. You'll stay forgiving of others. You've still got a buoyancy in your spirit, even though there's all hell breaking loose. And, uh, and that's so much better than, than getting you know, depressed and knocked about by the stuff of life. Uh, you know, when you read on in this book, you go from chapter 11 with all that list of heroes, and then you go to the beginning of chapter 12, and it says this, you may know this, looks back at them all, therefore, chapter 12, verse 1, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, what should we do? Let us lay aside every weight, every sin that clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Wow, isn't that awesome? Notice how we need Jesus. He's the author, the perfecter, the founder of our faith. And notice also that phrase, let's run with endurance the race that is set before us. So that's the kind of faith I'm talking about. Coping, hanging in there, getting by, being able to endure, having some tenacity, having some strength in your spirit. It's, it's part of exercising our faith to cope with daily problems. Just that ability to keep going when you don't feel like it. Uh, not just to start well, but to, to finish well. You know, rather than bailing out of the race. Because as you've heard it said before, the Christian race is not a sprint, it's a marathon. And interestingly, that word for race, it says run with endurance, the race that God's given you. The Greek word, we would spell it A-G-O-N-E, pronounced 
agon, and from that word, we get the word agony. Isn't that awesome? Yay! What am I signing up for? Yay, I'm going to be born again. God's given me a life of agony. Well, no pain, no gain, as they say. Because... Uh, And so you need strength, you need faith to put up with the pain of the race. And um, if you've ever run a marathon, you'll know exactly what that means. Because you start running. Sorry? Oh, well, some people may have. Okay. Well, I have, and I'll tell you then. Um, You start off, you run over the Harbour Bridge. It's awesome. They've shut all the traffic down. And um, you're running, or I did, you know, along the, the line that they had had for the Olympic Games. It wasn't the Olympics, but, you know, you can pretend. They at least followed the track that they'd used for the Olympics. And the Harbour Bridge was closed. It's the most wonderful experience because we've only done three kilometres and I'm running over the bridge. Fast forward a few kilometres, the legs are starting to have a little whinge. And eventually they're screaming out to the brain saying, hello, what are you doing? Can we stop? Can you tell the eyes? Surely he's seen a park bench. You know, can we? Come on. Got what? Time out. What? You know, they're screaming. Uh, and so, you, you know, you could say that's agony. So certainly the most painful thing I've ever done. But you don't give in. You tell your legs to do as they're told. You keep going. And you end up with the joy and sweetness of finishing because that's what you started to do. That's what you were called to do. And that's just the Christian life. There's some times where you feel like bailing out, walking away, doubting God, not pressing into the promises, feeling this, not forgiving that person, not obeying God in this area. But you don't. You do what faith calls you to do. So there's a tenacity, a grit. It's not just, oh, well, you know, God's going to bless me and while I'm feeling blessed, I'm just going to, you know, enjoy life and church and following the Lord. And if I don't enjoy it, I'm out of here. Well, sadly, some people live like that, but they miss out on the best. I mean, imagine all the pain in your legs and then just stopping at 39 kilometres, you know, instead of pressing on and getting 42 kilometres, those last few. Ah, but when you get there, there's a funny photo of me with Bethany and uh, someone says, smile. And I'm like, I am smiling. And there's this terrible, you know, sort of painful, uh, you know, and I think I'm smiling. I think I'm going, yay, hey, smile, you know. But the photo's like, ah, you know. There's a lot of pain, but there's also a lot of joy. Um, and so, of course, you don't have to go out and run a marathon physically. But if you want to follow the Lord, you'll be doing that in a sense spiritually with your faith, yeah? Because... Um, you know, that's, that's just part, part of life. life. Life is like that. So, you know, there is pain. But you can stay strong. You can trust in God, just like Joseph did. And I love the fact that he didn't exact revenge on his brothers when he had the chance. His spirit stayed sweet because of his trust in God. He wasn't focused on the problem. You know, we don't fight against flesh and blood, the Bible says. We fight against spirits. and So we're angry at the devil, not people or the boss or the parents or this or that and so we we direct our emotions by our faith we trust in God he gives us the perspective we need to cope with stuff yeah well the second area then if we can cope day to day you know by just dealing with the issues of life then we're not uh, then we, we, we can dream for the future 
Yeah, and so Ruth was talking about this last week. Joseph was a dreamer. We're called to dream uh, with faith in God. In other words, dreaming with God, dreaming not outside his will, just scheming and dreaming anything that whimsically comes to our sinful minds, directed by lustful thoughts, going, oh, great, I can dream of this. We dream well, we dream right, and something that is worthwhile. So, for example, Joseph... You know, he dreamt that his brothers would all bow down to him. And he went and told them when he was young, which didn't go well for him, right? Because they wanted to kill him and sold him into slavery. But that wasn't an ego trip about him. He wasn't saying, oh, you guys, I'm going to be so cool and in charge. You wait. No, no. That was a prophetic picture of the place that he would be in to save lives, to save a nation and other nearby nations. Because do you remember the fulfilment of that was that he ends up interpreting dreams for the Pharaoh in Egypt, taken out of prison, put in a position as prime minister effectively and organising all the food so that they could prepare for a famine that he had a, uh, the, had been, you know, a vision had been provided for. And, uh, and so then the nation of Egypt and other surrounding nations, including his own brothers and their families, all come down. And of course, there they are bowing down to him, down, down to him, but not for his own ego's benefit, just for the betterment of humankind. And so, um, you know, and as Ruth pointed out last week, his dreams went beyond just himself and his generation. So I, I love what she said about old men dreaming, you know, in Book of Joel, um, in chapter 2, it says young men will have visions and old men will dream dreams. It's important that fathers have dreams on Father's Day, that uh, we are thinking of the next generation, the influence that we've got, that we stay visionary and not just get grumpy, <laughs> that we can stay fresh in looking forward rather than reminiscing about the good old days. Uh, and and so we, we've got to be able to provide something Ah, you know, for the next generation to be inspired by something that, you know, we're looking forward for, believing for, striving for. And, and I don't mean just things to buy or retirement plans or holidays to have, but things that will bring glory to God, things that, uh, you know, reach people and touch people for the glory of God. And, uh, and plus our dreams should outlive us because the next generation should have something they can step into and pick up the mantle for, Yeah. Um, so did you do your dream list? Ruth talked about it. I hope you did. Uh, and uh, if you hear that message, she's talking about writing a list. I found an old one of mine. Would you like to hear about it? This is from about 20 years ago. And it's amazing when you dream, write stuff down, and then even forget about it. It's amazing how many things can come to pass. And, of course, there are other things you don't forget about, things that you work on. And then there's other things that really don't seem important after a while. That's okay. You just, you know, things have changed. So here's some things I wrote. Well, I think it's more than 20 years ago. Uh, I wanted to enjoy a close relationship with Jesus up till death. Well, I'm still going. (laughs) I'm still here. Maintain physical fitness. That's okay. Speak Thai fluently. I don't care anymore. It's too hard. (laughs) I've been to Thailand dozens of times. I speak pigeon Thai, I can get by, but really I've got some great interpreters if I preach and minister there, oh, you know, so at one point that was obviously a passion and I, you know, 
tried a number of times to devote myself to it, but it just hurts the brain too much. Stay happily married. The half dick, still there, still there. Hey, hey, come on. Buy Ruth a big diamond ring to her specifications. Did that. Come on. For our 20th anniversary, maybe. Um, See all my children passionately following Jesus, raising them to be mature, happy, destiny-fulfilling adults and help them with their education needs and costs. Still on track. Praise God, they've all got out of uni. I don't have to pay for any more of that. Um, well, I've got Keelan now. I've got to you know, get him trained uh, and he'll, he's doing good. Take each child on, a, on at least one overseas trip. Have done that. Uh, have a family holiday in the Whitsunday Islands. Man, I saved for years. I, I think it was like six years. I had always wanted to go back. I'd been there when I was single and I saved to take all four little kids at the time and we ended up doing it twice. So that was a, a big financial plan. Provide a modern, comfortable house with a bedroom for each child. That was a big deal because when we first came back from Russia, we had a little house down here in Narara and the kids were two in each room and so that was a big step of faith to try and get a house that they'd all have their own bedroom and that worked. Uh, pay off the mortgage, uh, well we're on track there, still going, <laughs> praise the Lord. See, uh, Be able to give generously to overseas ministries, yeah, we've done all right there, compassion and other you know, church initiatives and still doing that. Leave a generous inheritance to my children and grandchildren, well not yet, so... <laughs> Learn to fly an aeroplane solo. Oh, I don't care, you know, at the time. You know, my dad was a pilot. I was obviously just thinking, yeah, well, I couldn't be bothered now. Too much work, whatever. How about this? For church, see more salvations, healings and miracles. Well, we've seen that over the years. Want to see more. Seen some fantastic healings, great miracles. Listen to these last three. Build a great community. Have a fantastic children's ministry. See the church own our own building. Well, we're, you know, we've kind of done and are still doing those three. Uh, can I just give you a brief recap of this building purchase? Some of you will know the story, but maybe you don't. You know, we raised a few hundred thousand dollars, but that wasn't enough. This is more than 10 years ago. We went shopping around and everything was over a million dollars. Whether it was just a block of land or, you know, a, a building that you could renovate or something. Well, I saw this place advertised in the newspaper and there's a picture I'm going to show you. There it is, for sale. If you can read the fine print, it says, expressions of interest over $1 million. Hmm, we didn't have a million dollars. We could borrow sort of half a mil and that would get us up to about 800 grand. So I actually went to the agent and said, all right, can you offer the vendors $800,000? He said, well, they paid 1.2 for it. So by law, I have to put your offer in. But, you know, I'm just telling you, it probably won't. The weirdest thing happened. Not that weird. The goddess thing happened. Uh, all the other interested parties were kind of given the brush off. Uh, right down to the final day when expressions of interest were closed, we had ours written down. He said, I've had a medical centre and someone else, I can't remember who it was, expressed. And the vendor said, we're not interested. We like the idea of the church. Even though we'd only offered them 800000 they probably could have got more from someone else. They came back, the agent said, oh, they, they say, can you make it eight forty? And I thought, yes, 
I was thinking they'll say no one point. I thought I'll rob a bank. I mean, I'll I'll find the monies to get another forty. So I said yes, and then he rang back and said, "Oh, just confirming, eight forty. That includes GST, right?" And I hadn't even thought of it. And we're pretty good in the office normally, and we realised we could get GST back. But I, I just thought, yes, that includes GST, not X GST. So yeah, so they get their eight forty. We pay a net of seven sixty four because we get the GST back. It's a bit of a bargain for this acre of land, regardless of the buildings on it. Then we loved the courtyard and realised we can make this work. We can't afford to flatten it anyway. So long story short, we couldn't build the big auditorium we wanted to. They said, well, you've got to have this just re-establishment of views, knock out all the walls. You know, uh, very exciting announcement next week, by the way. We haven't finished developing the property. Uh, and uh, so, so then we, we get the building, but then we have to develop it. Um, and let me just show you a couple of photos of what it was like when we first got it. Um, that's the foyer. And we've still got that table on the left, by the way. There's a few remnants of furniture. There's a lovely lime green chair from the 70s that's in one of the parents' rooms, I think, that I love. Uh, there's the lovely Nandina Nanas, um, which if you're a nurseryman, as I was in the 70s, you'll know they were big sellers. Um, and that's the age of the property. And uh, that's our courtyard. There's where now the kids are just beyond that wall in a little, uh, uh, thanks to complete play playgrounds, it's now got nice astroturf down there. Um, so as you can see, it was a handyman's delight, as they say, you know, renovator's delight. That's my office back then. Um, and all the offices now have been addressed. There's still a few areas that we're working on. Um, and then that's where we are right now mid-demolition uh, phase. The youth group had a lot of fun. Uh, they all cleared out once everything was smashed, but uh, they had fun smashing. And then, next one, there's a little guy. That's Keelan cleaning up. Look at that little munchkin. What a little cutie. Uh, how times have changed. Um, all right. No, he's still cute-ish. So, um, you know, that's just a dream that has been an unfolding reality. But I'll tell you this, I've heard once someone, you can take that photo down, they're distracted, he's too cute, get rid of it. Uh, I heard someone once say, the dreams of a lazy man will kill him. Because you've got you to work to fulfil the dream. If you just scheme and dream, you'll just never see anything fulfilled and you'll be frustrated. So we've put in a fair bit of effort over the years. Um, and, uh, and of course, things are happening. And, and thanks to generous giving earlier in the year, Specifically, we've got a whole bunch of initiatives going on in the children's area for new, you know, flooring and painting and furniture and stuff. And they've already got the aircon and the heating installed. As I said, next week we want a very exciting announcement uh, about the improvement of these facilities. But the facilities are only a means to an end. The real dream is about God and people. And this is a great place, but it's all about the people that can come and use and benefit from the, the place, the facility to facilitate the engagement of God with people. And that's what we're on about. And as we pray and believe, we're, see, we're dreaming for more and more people to meet with Jesus and to follow Jesus. Amen? That's our great dream. And of course, as we follow Christ, we get other dreams dropping into our heart. This is the dreaming that we have with God, within His will. And it can be dreams for your calling, your ministry, your career, your relationships, your finances, your future, your health, your fun times, all kinds of stuff. And you can 
faithfully, in an excited way, dream with God. And I want to encourage you to do that. If you didn't write the list that Ruth was talking about, do that. Dream with God. Um, and, and of course, there's a lot more we could say. And I've got some great stuff, but you'll have to come back another day to hear it because I'm not going to go through it all. But just about faith. Uh, the fact that, you know, let me just say this. Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Your faith will grow and be strengthened and improve, improve as you read the Word of God because you are influenced by whatever you listen to. You watch enough TV, you'll think man never landed on the moon. You know, the CIA blew up the World Trade Center and Elvis lives in Gosford. It's just, you know, conspiracy theories. It's just, you know. And so, uh, or you'll think Usain Bolt lives on the Central Coast. I mean, how ridiculous, you know. Uh, but, you know, we're influenced by what we take in. So take in the Word of God. You'll have faith whatever you listen to. You have faith by hearing and hearing the Word of God. And as you read the Word of God, it's full of His promises. You're reading what God wants you to have. He's providing you boundaries to dream within and, and not constrictive boundaries. Some pretty big scriptures there about prosperity and blessing and ministry. And so there's a lot to dream for, yeah? We hope you've enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net.